welcome to Reditations. My name is Celeste Johnson, and every week on this podcast, I discuss something I've read and then turn it into a guided meditation for you. Today I'm talking about the poem Ballad in A by Kathy Park Hong, and the idea that we can actually become more expansive by constraining ourselves and our thoughts to the present moment. Hong's poem Ballad in A like the song form it imitates, comes in quatrains or stanzas of four lines. It depicts a story that's familiar to us in American mythology. This poem is a retelling of a classic Western tale of a standoff between two people who are armed and who have some hatred for each other. In many ways, it turns out exactly how we would expect it to. The poem ends in a shootout and both characters die, And the storyline follows that classic Western trope that we've all come to know and expect. But in other ways, Hong is subverting that trope. She does this in a couple ways. The most notable way that she subverts this story and the way that we expect it to go is by confining herself to the use of a single vowel in this poem, with two exceptions we'll talk about. She confines herself to the use of the vowel A. That's the only vowel she uses. A lipogram is a text in which the use of certain letters, or maybe just one letter, is forbidden. So it excludes a letter or some letters from the text. When a lipogram confines itself to the use of a single vowel, it's called univocalic. And that's what Hong's poem is, with one notable exception. And I promise we'll get to that later. But for now, for our purposes, just know that she confines herself to the use of the vowel A. This self-imposed constraint already turns this trope of this Western tale on its head because it forces Hong to use vocabulary that, if you were just writing this tale as we normally read it, would feel really out of place. She has to reach a little deeper in in the language to find words that work to describe what she's saying but still only use the letter A. And as a reader, reading those words, I definitely felt a little uncomfortable and kind of taken out of place, taken aback by her word choices because they're so out of the ordinary for this type of story. Another way that Hong subverts this classic story is something that I probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't come off recently of reading another work of hers, a long-form a collection of essays called Minor Feelings. Those essays give insight into Hong's experience as a Korean-American, a daughter of immigrants, and how she's been treated because of that and how that plays into her work. In this poem, Ballad in A, she's telling a story, this cowboy story, the type of which is often used to enforce this kind of narrative of triumphant whiteness and exclusion, But Park tells that story in such a way that we are led to pay more attention to this exclusionary narrative that's often included, that's often the foundation of these stories. And one of the ways she does that is she herself is being exclusive in the way she tells the story by choosing to exclude certain many great portions of the English language. She's building a myth on a myth by telling this fictional tale set in this mythological American West that is often at the root of a lot of imagined nostalgia in our country. 
Hong does so many clever things in this poem, but I want to return to the way that she excludes every vowel except A and talk about some of the effects that has on the poem and on the reader. I think the two most potent and most important results of that formal choice to only use the vowel A are these things. I think it forces us as readers to be a little uncomfortable with the unfamiliar vocabulary she uses, and it makes us work to grasp it. It makes us look at the text as a text instead of just consuming it without noticing how we have to work with the words on the page. The second important result of her reliance on the vowel A and only A in this poem is that it forbids her from really putting verbs in future or past tense. It forces her to stay in the present because she can't use an ed ending to notate that something happened in the past. She can't say will to notate that something will be happening in the future. She can't even use present participles. She can't say ing to note that something is happening right now continuously. She really is confined to just simple present tense verbs. These two effects combined mean that both the reader and the characters in the poem are forced to exist in the present. We, the reader, are forced to exist in the present because we have to recognize how to deal with the text. We have to work with it harder than we normally would because of its unusual vocabulary and syntax. The characters in the poem are forced to stay in the present because Hong cannot use verbs to express any other tense in English without using vowels that are outside of her set of rules for this poem. These two factors combined give the poem a lot of immediacy, and for me, it felt like the poem was really demanding my attention. In these ways, by forcing us to be so present and even uncomfortable with this story as it unfolds, Hong addresses the imagined nostalgia that is part of this classic tale, this classic Western standoff tale that we hear so many times. By forcing us into an uncomfortable situation, it's hard for me as a reader to take it at face value and simply consume the story and move past it because the language feels artificial and fabricated and stilted. It feels uncomfortable to read and difficult to understand at some points. She uses archaic words and words borrowed from other languages in order to stay within her rules. That stilted, uncomfortable language, combined with the fact that the story is told unforgivingly in the present tense, means that it kind of breaks that nostalgia open and forces the reader to look a little more closely at what's happening in this story. Often, stories like this are told in the past tense, and I think that gives us the opportunity to look back on it fondly with some distance and give it this kind of rosy glow as we imagine how the story unfolded. But Hong refuses us that luxury, and she kind of breaks our common view, our common acceptance of this story, by pushing us out of our comfort zone and pushing us into the present. Let's talk about the exception that Hong uses in this poem. There are two vowels that she allows herself to use that are not the letter A. 
Let me read you the line where this exception takes place. Manana, Kansan snarls. I'll have an armada and thwart law's brawn. In this line, true to the classic Western trope, one of the characters plots for the other's destruction. This is the one point in the poem that we see the pronoun I, and we feel that kind of egotistical focus instead of this more um, bird's eye view that we get in this third person retelling in the rest of the poem. This is the only time we hear that I voice stepping in. And the other thing important about this section is that it's the only time that we see future tense or any tense besides present in the poem. When he says, I'll have, this small phrase snaps the reader's attention into the I voice. And it also snaps our attention out of the present and into the future. As we read this line, we are reading an imagining of an imagining of an imagining. It's a myth of a myth of a myth. There's the myth of this American West, this created nostalgia that we all share, this common story that we often look back on that's not necessarily an accurate picture of how things used to be, but it's something that we like to mythologize and imagine quite commonly in American culture. Then we have Hong's myth on top of that. She's building an imagined scenario within that imagined American West. And now, when we read, I'll have, we're reading what this imagined character is imagining will happen in this imagined past. There are so many layers here, it's incredible. This place of imagined future is where we often exist as humans. That's often how our brains work, is by imagining what will happen next in the future. But of course, for this character, that imagined future never comes, at least not in the way he pictured it, because both characters die at the end. As I read this poem, I felt that in so many ways, Hong was pulling us back to the present again and again as readers. And that's one reason I really enjoyed reading it, and one reason I thought it would be the perfect poem to discuss in today's episode. On that note, let's meditate. <laughs> As always, let's begin today's meditation by taking a few deep breaths together. Inhale and exhale. As you settle in with your breath, take this chance to find a comfortable position for your body and begin to relax with each breath you take. Let's start out with a body scan. So bring your attention to the top of your scalp and start to check in with any sensations you're experiencing there. Gently move your attention down to your face and notice if you might be holding tension anywhere, whether it's your jaw muscles or your eyes, anywhere you find that you're holding tension, 
Acknowledge it and then allow yourself to release that tension with your next exhale. Move your attention down to your throat and your neck. And again, notice what sensations you're experiencing in this moment. If you notice any discomfort or tension, allow yourself to breathe with it and release it. On your next breath, gently shift your attention down to your shoulders. This is a place where many of us hold a lot of tension, so give yourself some extra TLC here as you breathe and notice the sensations you're feeling right now. With your exhale, release any tension that you find there. If you're like me, you might need another breath here, so take that time for yourself. Move down to your back muscles and notice any discomfort or tension you're holding here. Allow yourself to breathe and even move to adjust yourself to a more comfortable position if you need to. With your exhale, release what tension you find there. When you're ready, move your attention down to your hips. Especially if you sit a lot, you might be holding some tension here. So take this moment to bring your attention to your hips and notice the sensations that reside there in this moment. Keep breathing and with each breath, allow yourself to relax a little more. Now move your attention down to your legs, your thighs, and your knees. And notice any tension or discomfort. Notice any other sensations too. It doesn't have to be tension. Perhaps you notice a relaxation that's already present. Whatever is there, acknowledge it. And allow whatever you'd like to release to leave on your exhale. Move your attention down to your ankles and your feet on your next breath. Again, notice what sensations arise as your mind turns to this part of your body. If you find any tension or discomfort, Again, allow it to leave on your exhale. With another breath, expand your awareness to your entire body in this moment. And again, simply acknowledge any sensations that stand out to you. If there are things you'd like to release, you can do so on your exhale. 
And if not, you can simply enjoy the sensation of breathing in and out. Maintain this mindful awareness of your body as you continue to breathe. Inevitably, thoughts will creep in. When they creep in, I want you to look for any words, any thoughts that are pushing you into the past or the future. Basically, that's any thought at all besides focus on your body and how it feels to exist right now in this moment. When you notice those thoughts about the past or the future creeping in, simply dismiss them. Allow them to leave your mind and know that you are safe to let them go. Just like Hong does in Ballad in A, restrict yourself to focusing on the present moment, just as you are right now. This is no time to worry about what's happening next. This is no time to think about what happened in the past. This moment is simply for you to exist in. Again, return your attention to your body and how it feels in this moment. Continue to breathe in and out. In and out. Thoughts about the future and the past are imagined. The present moment is all we have. It is our entire reality. It is where we live our lives, and it is where we are bound to exist forever, simply in the present moment. Again, return to your present sensations, the coolness of the air moving in and out of your lungs. The feeling of support beneath you. The texture of the air and your clothing on your skin. And whatever sensations you feel in your body right now as you tune into yourself. As you continue to tune in to this present moment, complete with all the sensations that it brings, I want to introduce a simple mantra. It's just two words, and it's inspired by the poem we read today. Repeat after me, either aloud or in your mind. I am. I am. I am. This simple present tense verb is all you need right now. You are affirming your own existence in this moment. The phrase is not, I will be. The phrase is not, I was. 
The phrase is, I am. And that is all you need in this moment. Simply to exist and acknowledge it. I am. I am. I am. With each breath in, repeat this small, short phrase to yourself. I am. If you notice your thoughts drifting into the past or the future, come back to rest in this simple mantra. I am. I am. I am. Again, return to the sensations in your body right now. Notice them and acknowledge them. I am. As this meditation draws to a close, carry this phrase with you into the rest of your day. If you are feeling swept up by the future or by the past, overwhelmed by things that will happen or have happened, you can return to your breath and this simple phrase to bring you back to the present moment. Practice with me one more time. Inhale. And remember, I am. When you're ready, you can open your eyes, bring some movement back into your body, and come back to the room where you are right now. As you return to your day and your routine, allow yourself to return to this present moment and stay there as long as you can, bringing yourself back when you notice that you're drifting. This moment is all that we have. And in each moment, you are. You are. You are. Thank you so very much for joining me for today's episode of Reditations on Ballad in A by Kathy Park Hong. I really appreciate you spending your valuable time listening to this podcast. It means a lot to me. If you enjoyed what you heard on the podcast today, I hope you'll share it with a friend, somebody you think would appreciate it. Special thanks to Josh Munt for his work on the theme music and sound design you heard in this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Of course, you can share it with a friend, which is really helpful. You can also subscribe and review the podcast, which helps other people find it. And lastly, you can visit the Patreon page. If you listen to this episode and have some thoughts that you want to share with me, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at reditations at gmail.com. And I would so love to be in touch with you about the podcast and what you thought. Even if you just want to tell me what you're reading right now or send me a cute picture of your dog, I would love it. I would love to chat with you. So don't hesitate to reach out at reditations at gmail.com. You can also get updates on the podcast by visiting reditationspodcast.com where you can sign up for email updates, check out all the episodes, and see what other goodies are coming your way on the podcast. As today's episode draws to a close, I want to wish you a week lived in the present tense. Thanks so much for listening, and happy reading, friends. Until next time.